0: First, my name is Rachel Marston. I am a lifestyle blogger, host, advocate, women's empowerment organizer, brand ambassador, public relations consultant, and the wife of
1: wrongfully convicted Ricardo Marston. Hey, I'm Lulu Cameron. I am a freedom fighter and a human rights activist, a public speaker and a published author, founder of the I Am With Her Women's Empowerment Tribe and co-founder of the No More Victims Healing Restorative Justice Initiative.
2: Hey everybody, I'm Amira. I'm one of the hosts of The Low. I'm an activist for those that are incarcerated. I'm also the organizer and host of the Metacology, the best-time system that is incarcerated.
0: One
1: generation, he came from Africa young.
0: He said he met my the Century Club. Hey. Good evening, everybody. I am your co-host, Makini Marsden. This is Lulu Cameron and Amira Rose. This show is sponsored by the National Plus Coalition. Please, today we have a special guest, Leticia. Letitia. Amara,
3: Amara, Imara, um,
0: Amara, <laughs> Amara, sorry about that, and today we mm-hmm. will be discussing amendment injustice, January six, two 2021, we all witnessed thugs breach our capital, destroying public property, and as a result, five deaths, Letitia, please tell us what happened to your fiance on December 20th, 2017.
4: Yes. um, So Shango Asusi was an activist in his hometown of Aiken County, South Carolina. Um, He went there uh, for a community meeting in which um, Sheriff Michael Hunt attended. He had words after this meeting with his, you know, voted upon legislator or non-voted upon, whichever way you want to talk about that. But they exchanged words. He was invited to a later meeting at the SLED office. The sheriff gave the what he called a threat to the sled investigators. So at a meeting, and he never walked out of that meeting. Um, what ended up happening was the um, they tried to detain him after they discussed what they would like to charge him, which which was threat of an officer. He went to leave. Um, the sled officer put his hand in the door, and it was crushed. Um, a year later, on December 6, twenty eighteen, he was sentenced um, with the maximum for resisting arrest. A violence upon the officer, which was 10 years. And then um, the maximum that goes with threat of a public official or officer really is a public official, is five years, but he got four in that courtroom that day and plus an additional five years probation. Um, he's currently serving time in Perry Correctional Institution. In, in, in South Carolina? In South Carolina. In South Carolina. Um, on January 6th of this year, um, We were hopeful because he's up for parole next month. However, um, we were trying to get his classification for his um, annual review change. And on January 6th, he walked by an officer that he often gave staff requests or was called a grievance against in SEDC, made complaints about him not wearing a mask. This man said something to him, walked by him. Um... Shango walked by him to the other officer, and then the officer, number one, Lieutenant Borum, proceeded to put him in handcuffs and throw him in the hole. When he got there, they held him down, shaved his head and his face. Um, three were laughing. One was doing the cutting. That um, He was slammed into doors after he's been in there, and he's only been allowed two phone calls since the six, um, as well as you know, the two requisite envelopes apparently they give you while you're in lockdown. Um, They ended up giving him a disciplinary, which gave him a penalty um, for threat of an officer, which Lieutenant Bourne is intent on kicking his heels and is saying that happened, even though, you know, um, that's not what actually took place.
0: So just to be clear, he's in in service right now for
4: Mm -hmm. protesting. So let's just about- a, he was an activist, yes. He was an activist um, with several groups in the past. Um, he'd often supported us down here in Charleston, Black Lives Matter Charleston, um, rallies, protests, um, different things like that for different groups here right. as well as across the country. Um, so he was very, you know, movable in those spaces. It's just that what happened, in, I believe, in 15 and 16 happened to be so volatile that they, you know, People began to unfortunately um, be targeted, is what I believe. Um, I feel like some, what all of us were. Um, uh, my mentor and DeBaja on February sixth of twenty eighteen, he was assassinated in Louisiana while he was down there doing some work and organizing. And um, again, two months before that, Shango was incarcerated. So I never want to let a death of an activist, because there's been many um, before and or since, um, just pass it by because too often these deaths or incarcerations are just written off as community events um, and not as what it really is. Because honestly, when you make a change, you tend to see a a shorter lifespan, if anybody understands what I'm saying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so what do you what do you mean by when you say seeing these deaths as community events? Um mm-hmm. can you can mm-hmm. you like speak to that a little bit more?
4: Um, I'm unsure of the name, but um I heard a story in passing of an activist. I think he was based in Chicago. Um, but he spent a good time against gun violence. He ended he's ended up, you know, since you know, shot. He was shot to death in the early mornings of the hour. He was about 43 previously incarcerated. Um, but I want to say is that like D-Ray McKesson, um, we got the Erica Garners, we got um, some activists that were found hanging from trees and different things. Um, Rakim um, Balangon, he was also uh, arrested for what was suspected as, you know, um, being on a, a Black identity extremist list. Um, but the FBI has acknowledged that it is in existence of a such a list. However, it doesn't take away the danger, which is inherent in protesting. So that's why I chose to support protests with my organization um, with arrests and possible safety issues and incarceration, because frankly, the, the level of threat that we faced in 15 and 16 after the Emanuel Nine, which nine people were massacred in the church, and Walter Scott after he was shot eight times in the back and they, you know, they actually incarcerated the officer for that for federal charges, not state. So he's not state charged with murder. What he was is charged with a civil rights crime. But after all of those things, it left an indelible mark on our city. Um, And it was something I knew that this time, once it started happening again, people were going to be in danger. Their safety um, was going to be impacted.
1: Yeah. So and just to kind of um, make sure that everybody knows exactly what you're talking about, um, just because I know we, you know, we're both representing South Carolina in some way, Mm -hmm. shape or form. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, the listeners are all over the place. And so when we talk about the you call them the in the nine, what did you call What was the word? The The
4: Emanuel Nine is when Mm -hmm. nine Black parishioners in a church, Emanuel Amy Church, were shot by Dylan Roof, um, which was a man that came Mm -hmm. to Austin specifically um, to kill Black people and written a whole manifesto and everything. The police had a, well, it was said that there was a inkling that he had some nefarious purposes, but um, the Black church welcome him, him, him in to pray and during that prayer, um, there's actually eleven, we like to, you know, acknowledge that here, victims because only nine of them died. Um, if that makes any sense. There was a little girl, um, you know, still there. There was another woman. Um, they lived to tell the tale and he ensured that. Um, but again, uh that was a big communal energy for us here in Charleston because so many of us that downtown church had so many members. So mm-hmm. it has it had a far, a very far reach. It's one of the oldest churches in the state. Um, and when I say my, Walter Scott, Walter Scott, um, it was a video and Mohid and the um, the founder of Black Lives Matter Charleston, um, who is now um rest in hope, but he's passed through transition, he was murdered, assassinated February 6, 2018. He was the one that got obtained the video from Faden Santana to play for the world that everybody was able to see. A black man who'd only had um, child support charges was shot eight times in the back, and then the policeman Walter—not Walter, um, Walter Scott—Michael Slager tried to cover it up, wow. um, moving the 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 you know, and they didn't. He didn't receive any help. He was he just was left to die. In beliefs, in um and this actually happens not happened not too far from where I'm actually located um in Charleston, so that was a very you know that was a very near thing,
1: so I think you know, and I think that it it speaks volumes to what we saw a couple of weeks ago, um mm-hmm. the way everything was handled a couple of weeks ago versus the way that um things are handled. Um, when when the person is black or brown. Um, And so I think that that in itself brings a lot of attention to um, the breakdown in the system. And, you know, basically to say that it's it's almost a crime to fight for our own humanity um, in this country and to fight for Fight for equal rights and 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 the different things that people decide to stand up for, um, for one reason or another. You always see those types of experiences um, defeated with violence, and so it's just how, how do we how do we speak to that? How do we speak to all of the? Um, you know, the people, the political prisoners of the past and those of the current and people who are fighting right now um, to make change in, um, to make change in the, in the world. But you have the struggle of being put, you know, kind of pigeoned into a position of not knowing if you speaking out is going to, you know, jeopardize your life. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think that we all kind of um, struggle with that because with us having loved ones who are incarcerated um, for myself in the state of South Carolina, especially um, the laws in South Carolina have not changed much along the way. And the unfortunate part is that people are not willing to admit that um People are not willing to admit that there is a breakdown in the system that needs to be balanced in one way or another. Um, I don't know. Like, what is your thought process behind that? And I know you said that your organization supports like um, bail bonds and and people mm-hmm. who are incarcerated. Like, how does that impact your ability um, in your organization? Mm-hmm. Like, how? You know what I mean? Like, how does that work? As far as that goes. Um. So the
4: thought or the premise, um, behind B.L.F. Even when we started, was the fact that um, there's not a lot of communal caring for activists. Um, a, a lot of the activists around me faced grave um, consequences, um, or a lack of housing, or or struggled a lot after we did, you know, our, our movements in 15 and 16. So I, you know, opted to try to raise money for bails, for communal bails, community aftercare, whatever that took to ensure that the people that were actually doing the work were not going to risk their livelihood. Because if you get a charge in the state of South Carolina, so many things go away from you. Um, now, I would watch them before where there would be sporadic pop-ups or GoFundMes for people to be arrested. But something about this felt different. Um, and I, we don't have a bail fund here. Um, there were bail funds all across the country. Um, I, myself and there's another bail fund in Columbia. Are now two bail funds in the state. So that's a great thing that's come out of this that we can support that. But I mean that the biggest concern because some of the people who were protesting, sometimes you're just too young or too, you're too. To, to realize the consequences of what that can actually mean on your life. I, I don't feel like um, there was a good job in the people that came before and actually teaching people um, about the risk that you actually run fighting these injustices, because right now we're starting to prove that there are injustices, whereas in the 50s and 60s, it was tangible. You could touch it. You could see the whites only, you know what I'm saying? And and then mm-hmm. the- had communal houses where you could go for rest. They would have dinners at churches if you were hungry after a protest. We don't have that. (laughs) So that was the thought, Um, you know, to raise money at least for for bail or or water or milk if their eyes were loose. Then it turned into a bail fund because you can't protest forever. (laughs) Um, And bail just means being able to get a person out of jail right off without paying a bondsman because we're abolitionists. We don't believe that you should write freedom papers for a person. Um, and consequently, that's cost us $1.14 million to bail the people that we've already bailed out of jail um, because cash bail is very high, very high.
1: Mm. I'm sorry. Go ahead, McKinney, were you going to say something? Um.
0: I hear everything you're saying and I just, now that we're in a time where people can't really deny that there is um, injustice because we clearly Mm -hmm. saw that on the 6th of January when they stormed into the Capitol, Um, they Mm -hmm. did it with no, like they just didn't care. They took pictures of Nancy Nancy Pelosi's desk with her, with her son Mm -hmm. and stole property out of the Capitol. And some of them, didn't even get in trouble for it. Um, mm-hmm. they got arrested, they're getting arrested now, but now we're also hearing that there are people who did get arrested. I don't know the guy's name but with the horns, um, mm-hmm. face painted, everything. Mm-hmm. And his mother was on saying that he, he is a vegan, organic food, and that he had to have special <laughs> meals delivered to him. And I think actually, granted that. Okay, so the fact that.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that you, mm-hmm. these people can be so heinous in their acts and have mm-hmm. zero to no repercussions at all. Meanwhile, we have mm-hmm. Black and brown people that are fighting literally to live and
3: mm-hmm.
0: we're, we're being shot down in the streets like dogs. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: to my understanding, your fiance is doing 14 years for protesting. Correct? Yeah,
4: from my understanding, for there protesting. was no verifiable Nobody threat they, so found. Um, they connected it to some Facebook post but that's why I've started telling people be careful what you post because you know life experience has taught me that if you're black or brown it might not end well um, and also speaking of what you said after um, the Emanuel um, massacre here um, Dylan Roof was hungry they took him to burger okay. can and got him a burger <laughs> so I mean it's it's and, and, and I, it was something in my mind that made me think that five years, we, it just hasn't been, it hasn't changed that much because there are so many things that Charleston has just gotten a little bit worse at. So, wow. um, I went and back not- to work. all I can like say, I organized again, I organized my way, I'm organizing my way through it.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we're definitely glad to be able to kind of bring some light to this situation. Um. The situation um, inside of the correctional facilities inside of South Carolina. I mean, like you said, um, we're talking about somebody who's being categorized as a shaman and he needs organic foods when, you know, our guys are struggling to have showers, struggling to have a hot meal, let alone um, vegetables or, you know, a whole organic diet. And so Mm -hmm. I think that we really need to start um, applying pressure. I think that I've said this a multiple multiple times. I think that this year is all about applying pressure and exposing um, everything that has been trying to be hidden. Because it's, I think it was like a very, uh, it was just like a huge kick in the face, right? Because we saw how they lined up to um, demonize the Black Lives Matter protesters, mm-hmm. um, and then everybody knew that this was coming, and nothing happened there were no there were no you know security there was no guards there was no national guard I mean even in my hometown of Milwaukee uh Wisconsin if they think that black folks are about to get ugly because of one reason or another they start boarding up the whole city they're boarding up the whole city for a week or so beforehand just to make sure and I think that I mean are we animals are we at war Uh
2: we know we're not animals we know know that we're capable of protesting nonviolently at times you know i'm not but i'm not against the violence either but we know that we can protest without that of course they're gonna board up you know like in for the um floyd case they boarded up downtown chicago you know they were ready Mm -hmm. for that like you said they didn't board up or have the the military there for the protests that they knew was coming mm-hmm. in in D.C. You know, so at the end of the day, we already know what they think about us. We already know how they're going to prepare for us, even if we don't have any ill intentions other than a peaceful protest. You know, so we have to be prepared for what, when we know they're protesting, if they're not going to prepare for those protesters, no, I'm not going to call them protesters because they weren't protesters, like some people were calling them. You know, they were they were the animals that invaded you know, the capital. They're the animals. They're the ones that act like animals so we ourselves have to prepare
1: ourselves and our safety.
3: Uh-huh.
1: Because they're not going to prepare for us. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I'm not getting ready to make it normal. You know, I'm not getting ready to, um, get comfortable with being mistreated or watching, um, black men be killed and black women be, you know, treated one way or another. And it's not a white and a black thing, but it is a white and a black thing. Right. So, and what I, what I always say to my friends who Are not racist, do not shelter hatred in their heart. How, and they're always asking, you know, how can I help in this situation? And it really starts with us starting to have some of these hard conversations with people that just don't seem to get it. Like, don't stand by when you have family members who say certain things um, when nobody's watching. Call them out on stuff. I mean, and I just think that even in the workplace, some of the things that I'm subjected to in my work environment. Um, would be unacceptable if it was a Black man doing it or if it was even myself doing it. And the way that there's constantly excuses as to why these things cannot be um, tamed and why these things cannot be uh, taken care of. I mean, they had a noose out mm-hmm. on the lawn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're still calling them rioters. Why are we not calling them homegrown terrorists? Yes. Because right. when, when we start fighting for our liberation, we're put on terrorist lists,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, you know, we're identified as, um, you know, uh, political threats, you know what I mean? H- what, however they go ahead and identify us, but it's, it's just really sad. And, and you see how everything has, I mean, this is just one instance mm-hmm. where you had a group of people filled with um, foolishness. But we're looking at years and years of oppression, looking at the whole process of mass incarceration, if we want to Mm -hmm. call it that. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a mainstream word. But nobody wants to address the pink elephant in a room. And the pink elephant in the room is that ever since we released people from slavery, we have found another way to enslave them to continue to gain purpose and economics in this country. And now everything is like coming to a big head. And so my thing is just like, what do we got to do? Like, where do we start? What, you know, where do we get busy? How do we start having these conversations? How do we start changing the hearts of people? Um, Because, you know, I know my loved one is incarcerated in South Carolina. And I know that. Basically, I'm a first generation removed from slavery. I tell people that all the time. Like I have literally have an aunt and uncle who died as peak sharecroppers. So the way that I feel about, you know, everything that goes on in that state is a little bit personal, but how do we start force feeding them or making, you know, bringing awareness to what's really going on? I mean,
2: I think think first
1: make it clear,
2: for you. make it important that we are going to support those of us, one, one another, that mm-hmm. are actually fighting in the cause because, you know, a political prisoner is someone who makes a conscious decision on risking their lives, their safety, and risking a lot of stuff in their lives for the struggle, you know what I'm saying, for those, for any struggle that, that, that we're battling right now. You know, that's a political prisoner. And a lot of people will get scared off because there is, at times, there's going to be chances that they might not want to take. So we have to let each other know that we support each other. And if it gets to the point of of a more serious point, a deeper point that we're there for one another, I think that's one of the first things that we need to, you know, begin with when it comes to getting ready to fight the battles that I think are coming our way in 2021, 2022, and there, you know, and furthermore. you made a good case about these guys that are these people that invaded the capital they're the ter- terrorists you know are they going to get charged as such i mean that's domestic terrorism right there we have mm-hmm. people like uh, chief malik you know? yeah i mean it is but we have people like political prisoners like chief malik who you know was the first case of a uh, domestic terrorism you know so we have to just realize how they're going to treat us how they're going to charge us versus mm-hmm. how we're going to charge them. It's going to be totally yeah. different. you know. We have to start to educate ourselves on that and prepare for that because there's going to be legal battles and, and battles beyond. So I mm-hmm. think just self-education is the first step um, to, in preparing for this.
0: Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I also mm-hmm. feel acknowledgments is another thing that we all need to do because um, Anthony Bottom as the last of the five alleged members of the Black Liberation Army, okay? And Um, there were some murders that happened. Two officers were killed. Um, uh He is still incarcerated to this day. It's been 47 years for that. Now, what happened at the Capitol January 6th, there were five deaths, one of which I believe was an officer. I'm not sure if there was more, but I know one for sure was definitely officer, and that was filmed. That was on camera. The whole world watched as they beat this man to death and then took Uh, his his gun and his shield and the things that the government provided to protect him with and protect the Capitol with. They used that and they started to break through the windows and barricades to go and and destroy whatever was left. They even defecated in the hallways of the Capitol. Why is there no accountability? for that. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. we have our Black brothers and sisters that are incarcerated for over a decade. <laughs> where, Where is the... There's no equality here. It's not weighing equally.
3: Mm-hmm. And, and we
0: need to acknowledge that these things are happening. These laws are set in place for us. It was... The laws work, as somebody said. The laws do work, okay? It just is not in favor of us. It's doing exactly what it's meant to do. And we need to acknowledge that. And we need mm-hmm. we need to stop acting like, oh, Black people are not in slavery. We are still in mm-hmm. slavery. Hello? Mm-hmm. origins are plantations.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let, let's stop.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that um, the first things first is people need to become aware of their constitution, their state's constitutions. They need to understand, you know, what they are standing up against. And I think that there has been so much conditional hatred that has been taught to our communities Mm -hmm. and our culture. Um, Majority of the time it's black men who I can't get to join forces. You know what I mean? I feel like, and that's no no, no knock to black men. I love black men, you know, especially mine. But (laughs) at the end of the day, you know, we struggle with unity. And what people fail to realize is the family is the most, the family unit is the most dangerous thing. And that is the reason why it has been broken down from the beginning of time. Because if we are able to structure ourselves, if we're able to organize, if we're able to put our indifferences aside, whatever it is you believe, whatever it is you practice, whatever it is your affiliation is, and we're actually able to come together as a collective of human beings, we can be so powerful. We can be so powerful. But because we have been taught to hate ourselves and to hate each other and to envy Each other instead of, you know, lifting each other up, joining forces and fighting for one thing or the next. Everybody's out here trying to be, um, you know, especially in the activism game. um, It's like everybody's out here trying to be Harriet Tubman and Frederick Douglass. (laughs) And at the end of the day, we need to stop trying to get on Real Housewives of Atlanta with our movement. And we need to be about something called sticking together. And that's just what it is. All Mm -hmm. BS aside. Yeah,
4: it is true. One thing that I I um, wanted to point out is that you guys all brought up really good things. Um, And um, as far as the political prisoners that we have already incarcerated, I really feel like the world can do better in supporting that by being educated about why they are there. Um, because I realized that a lot of people didn't don't know um, the contributions, especially the younger folks. There's a disconnect in the activism past and the activism present. And too often they are left to languish and we're out here acting like we're just the new, you know, activism, whatever it is, you know what I'm saying? And I noticed that, you know, after Shango was incarcerated, everybody went their, their their daily lives, and he was left. You know what I'm saying? Um, and the other thing is, is I want to point out that when it came to the Capitol, I attended the protest in Columbia uh, for the George Floyd protest. Now, that protest, and it was just a state's capital, was met with drones, riot gear, <laughs> um, you know, large police vehicles, <laughs> you know what I'm
1: saying? A paddy wagon.
4: There was a lot going on horses, horses. Yes.
1: The difference between you and I. Right. Yes.
4: Mm-hmm. You know, tear gas, the whole shebang. And same thing with down here, Charleston. Um, and then when things do go left and people start, you know, breaking into stuff and like, why are you doing this? Because they were met with force. That is trauma. That is trauma. Mm-hmm. That's a trauma that we go through time and time again for being black and watching these things over and over again, and then always being treated like a criminal. That's the saying: if you treat somebody like a criminal, they very well might behave like that. I'm not making an excuse for it, but right. they didn't treat those white folks like that, and then they're still yeah. acting like criminals. You know what I'm saying? Like they they totally turned that whole thing on its head, right?
0: Yeah,
4: so, wow. <laughs> that that
0: yeah, that's Could we also- that's. Bring light mm-hmm. to the fact that the officers that were on duty also mm-hmm. let them in mhm, so right there, and it was on camera too
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> and they they said that the panic buttons were already missing from certain offices um mm-hmm. once it happened, so it's a whole inside job, okay. and for me, it was just for me um and I say this from my own personal experience we don't get a chance for somebody if if we fit the description even me you know i remember being in college and i um was on a date with a guy on the basketball team big old black dude right we riding down by the lake in kenosha police immediately got out the car and held a gun Mm -hmm. to my head because we fit a description to my Mm -hmm. head i ain't never Mm -hmm. seen a gun you know what I mean? At this point in my life. And it's just like, whoa, you know what I mean? But then we see the difference in the way everybody else is handled. And so I I say, you know, everybody can see what's going on. We need to start really just... Um, coming together. And I'm not just talking about black folks. I'm not just saying I don't hate white people. I don't have a, you know, a vengeance towards them, but we can't fix ourselves because we didn't do this to ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And again, people are like, well, why can't we just move on? Why can't we just start fresh from here? Well, okay. Let me spit in your face or murder your son or hang you from a tree Or burn your houses or burn your communities down and let's not even acknowledge that but let's move forward and um i want to sing kumbaya i want to walk in in, and purpose with you i want to find a way it doesn't work like that we have to acknowledge the pain that has been inflicted upon our communities and for us even our loved ones who are incarcerated let's acknowledge the the fuckery that's going on inside of these institutions Let's acknowledge the fact that you are warehousing people, treating them like wild animals and feeding them less than you would feed your home pets.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And let's acknowledge the broken parts of this country so that we can move on. And let's not make it every single time we get ready to pass a bill in these states. Oh, oh my gosh, you're releasing murderers and rapists, and they're gonna be wild in the city running wild like some old some old book in the Bible. And we know that that's not the case because I watched them kill somebody mm-hmm. on TV.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: I also watched the police. Gradually tell them, hey, guys, it's six o'clock, you need to go home now. You know what I mean?
3: Mm -hmm.
1: We are always met with force. And what I want to get, what I also want to say is that people make people who make mistakes out to be the most uh, depreciated people in this world. Mm -hmm. But when you are constantly met with force, Mm -hmm. and that's all you have been taught Mm
3: -hmm. for
1: generations and generations and generations. How do you do something that has never been put into you? You cannot get like I can't ask you to start speaking Chinese because nobody ever taught you Chinese. Right. So my point is, is if you want something to be different, we have to start teaching difference. You know, we have to start being that. And even with the people who were incarcerating. We're throwing people away for an extended amount of time. Like, it's ridiculous. Why are people serving 20, 30, 40 years in one state and then in another state, they're only getting five years for the same crime?
4: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We've we've definitely got to acknowledge that Cointelpro thing. In the 60s, why would they stop using Cointelpro when it worked so well and it destabilized the whole movement? Um, and I think that's something that's not talked about. If if y'all know, do y'all know what COINTELPRO is? Right? No, I don't know what that is. Okay, it was a federal campaign that they used uh, against Martin Luther King, the Black Panther Party, um, and ever you know, several other Black activists, Malcolm X. Um, they were all in this this big thing where the government monitored them. They 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 recorded all their tapes. They recorded their conversations. They learned their routines. They hired people to infiltrate. So there's a, a movie coming out February 12th called A Black Judas. That's about Fred Hammond, who was shot, um, I think it was like 13 times while he slept beside his wife. Mm-hmm. Because an uh, infiltrator you know came into their organization learned the layout of his house and and, sh- and and they 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 you know bombarded it his his wife and his um son escaped by this much she has a grown son now but if we don't continue to acknowledge that why would they throw that playbook away um it's just a more advanced model with with and social it- media mhm with social media and everybody being so apart it's probably working better than it ever has. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, We've got to acknowledge those historical things that's happening that, that we can learn better and work more better together as opposed to apart because they've enjoyed having us apart.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree. And we also need to hold a lot of these, these people that are in the spotlight, account for their not going to help. Um, we- in the media, in the industry, we need to hold some of them accountable as well, because they're teaching these youth to forget about their history and not even care to one another mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. All they care about, I'm not going to say all of them, but the majority of them have no respect. They don't care about what's going to happen to them or their brothers or their sisters. They're, they're concerned. They're all for self. And and when we keep feeding, you know, as much as I love times, because I'm old enough to understand (laughs) how to separate the two and not take everything so literal, but when you're pumping that into a child's brain, and that's all they know, you're teaching them how to disconnect. So when we have things like this, where men are being in the street and we have Police drawing arms to four year olds, um, Mm. peacefully protesting. It's not really clicking because of this. Mm. And it's a whole system that is kind of detaching us from what our reality is because there's not enough of us Black people that care enough about the fact that we are dying in the streets for fighting for your rights. You know? There's a lot of things that we have to hold accountable, you know, mental health is another one. Trauma, facing trauma is another one. There's mm. just so much that one culture is, is being faced with and it's mm. not fair. It's not fair at all.
1: No, it's not. And I think that, you know, just again, it goes back to taking back our families. Family is the most important thing. Family is the most important thing. Us kind of putting aside our indifferences and sticking together, family is the most important thing because if I am putting into my child what I want my child to learn, um, what I want my child to hear, what's important to my child, what's speaking life into my child, then I am making the difference in who that that child becomes. But what's happening and what I do believe has happened ever since women have had rights, it's been a battle to um, maintain our independence that seems to be so important, as well as being that foundation for our families that has always been the thing. If you go back into history, there's never been a time where women were not the backbone Mm -hmm. of the entire unit. I mean, and it, you know, yes, it, I, I expect and I and I look for my man to lead and and be a provider and all those things. And, and I don't want to hear anybody talking to me about all these, uh, we, we equal and we this and we that. No, we ain't equal. I mean, we're equal in a sense, but not like that. And so my point is that I see so many people just dismissing their children, just screaming and hollering at them, not educating them, not showing them what it is. And then when you don't show them what it is, then you send them to school and you expect somebody else to be patient with them and understanding and and show them how to do certain things and, and make good choices when every single day at home, you don't teach your kids how to make good choices. And the number one problem that we have in our communities is that our children go up grow up to be adults who don't know how to make their own good choices because every single thing is because I said so. So if people, if our kids don't understand the why behind why I said, so what's, what's the importance of it when you get 18, because a lot of, a lot of our parents subscribe to the ideology, well, you 18, you need to get out my house. You need to find Mm -hmm. your own way. We are the only culture that does that. And so then, and so then what happens, you, you, you find um, kids who are trying to find their own identity, but they don't have one. Because they haven't been taught one and there is no family unit. So how can I learn how to be a woman? How can I learn how to be a wife? How can I learn how to be a mother when I'm not being taught that? How can I learn how to be a man when I'm not being taught that? So I think taking ownership over our communities will give us a greater advantage to fight these injustices because when mm-hmm. we don't take ownership over the things that we do have control over we lose our families and That's we lose true. we lose our kids to prison and then That's- we're here fighting for their justice you know fighting for the injustices in prison and because they're being treated less than but if a lot of these i look at a lot of people's situations and a lot of the offenders who are incarcerated who have committed crimes who have done things are victims first and they're mm-hmm. victims solely because they have not been protected they have not been led they have not been guided they have not been taught inside of their family unit and that's just yeah. truth and some I mean, of them that's never
0: true. even had a family unit yeah yeah no know you
1: know,
2: so many times, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, go ahead. That's where the, it used to be, it takes a village and the village used to be there. You know, it used to be there for the single moms, for the parents that were both working. We used to see the, the mom and dad in the household together. You know, that's missing the, there's no village. There's no, I am my, my brother's keeper. I am my sister's keeper. The, all that that aspect of those those thoughts are all gone. And so then that's where the family unit, you said, Ooh, it's missing and we have 17 16 year old 15 year olds going up you know in court with for you know sentencing with no support you know no knowledge no nothing and they're ending up with those 20 30 30 year sentences you know and then you're later realizing like dang i probably could have fought that I probably could have changed that it, it could have been different mm-hmm. you know or they're that's just also the reason why they're committing such certain crimes you know at that age because We're not teaching our kids. Some of us are are not teaching our kids what they need to know. Some of us don't have the support to even help raise a child. I was blessed as a single parent. You know, I had an amazing football coach that stepped up and helped me guide my son. And I can say now he's in college and he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke. Not everyone has that person that's going to step up. We have a lot of these fathers that are missing. We have a lot of these mothers that are too busy trying to, you know, be a whole hoe in the streets on, on some real the busted shit. Challenge. You know? They trying to do the busted challenge. Yeah, right. And, you know, and then like, the ones that that you know, you don't have these great Malcolm X's and and Martin Luther Kings and Edward James almost almost figures as we did. You know, as our as our older elderly did. We need people to step up really, and we need to teach our the younger generations about what's going on. You know, they might know about Chief Malik because he's gang related you know, organized, related. However, we also need to teach them about the other political prisoners that are behind the wall. They need to know more about those, you know, the, and I might say this name, right? I always say his name wrong, but like the Sindada Kiada, I said that wrong. I know I did, but, you know, yeah, you know, they need to know about him. They need to know about Malcolm X. They need to know, you know, about those guys. We need to teach them because we know they're not going to get taught in the school systems. We know, you know, they're not going to learn about being there, you know, and what they do learn or what they do teach, you know, that's also watered down too. You know, they didn't t- talk about the real MLK. They didn't talk about, you know, everything that they need to know. So we as parents have to also take responsibility that, you know, as parents and as individuals in our communities that we're not, not all of us are stepping in to help the ones that need to be helped. So I think that's a big aspect too of what's going on with, you know, the system and, and how so many of our Our brothers and sisters are ending up in the system as captured, you know, colonial individuals. So I don't know. I just feel like the community needs to step up so much and Mm -hmm. stop counting. I agree. Mm -hmm.
0: I agree. Yeah. Um, In this day and age, we, you know, who's teaching our kids? Instagram, TikTok. Mm -hmm. You know, this is where they're getting their information from. And like Lulu said, it doesn't help that. The mothers, um, the guardians, they're trying to do the message challenge. You no, know, society has taught us that Black women are only valuable for our assets, literally. Um, and us to be models, models. Or, you know, just to praise our physical attributes. Nobody really is paying attention to what it is that a Black woman is saying. Or if you are teaching some of value, they're quick to turn the channel because that's not that's not what's getting money. They want to know what how is getting a rack to do a challenge on Instagram. This is what they are paying attention to. They yep. want to be able to make money quick ass and they're doing it on Instagram and TikTok. This is what they are focused on. Only fans. Right? So it is blind views. It's blinding the adults because. When the men are taken out of the homes and the women are left to raise these children, this is what they're pumping into the kids. There, there's a disconnect. There's a distraction. They're not paying attention to what the kid is doing at them. If they yeah. they focus on
1: and it's, Instagram and all that other stuff. How to look cute and it's the excuses though. Yeah, it's the excuses though. Like mm-hmm. I hear people say all the time, "Well, I was, I didn't have help. Hell, I didn't have help." Right. I don't have any help. My daughter is the bomb.com. Do you hear me? But it's because I fought for that. Uh-huh. It's because... When stuff was going on at the school, I constantly showed up. You know, I taught my child before she got to school. I, you know, explained to her how you needed to behave before you walked into a place. You know, okay, we're going here. And even though I don't require this of you, this might be expected of you. You know what I'm saying? Just so that you understand the difference. And Mm -hmm. it's always, you know, children shouldn't be in grown folks' conversations, but we're watching grown folks' stuff all day long. Mm -hmm. So. I You're think so right. mm-hmm. You're so right. I mean, what they're watching,
2: what they're seeing is just <laughs> I, yeah. I, what happened to the cartoons? You know, you think about Lisa, Saturday morning cartoons, the kids don't yeah. even have that. So I you know, the
4: fact that, that the time period that y'all are talking about, uh, uh, we, there was an extreme disconnect that came where mass incarceration took place. Yeah. You know, and generationally, and generationally, there was a, a shrinking of the families. Okay, women's expectations had to be and motivate different men were constantly gone, or women that people because people were getting incarcerated more. So, there's generation after generation. Once you lose your kid, one time it's harder to get them back. You've got to get jobs. You've got this institutionally, our mm-hmm. family been broken up in such a way that I do agree that those issues or social issues are very good problems but institutionally it's been made where you have children raising children, children.
0: their true. parents
4: are gone um because the mom the dad got arrested the mom couldn't take it or the mom got killed and dad got arrested because we had the crack e- epidemic yeah and the advent of the privatization of prisons. So with yes. minus a lot of people, you know, somebody might be strung out on drugs, grandma, whoever was the backbone at that time, you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. our our kids are raising kids, raising kids and now we're here. Yes. Um and, and that's one thing I think that we should, you know, take responsibility as voting people or people who can make a change is that we've got to because they're not going to because this is this is our job now because you know what I'm saying it, yeah. it's the point where it's made like that, and that's the way they like it because now they have their foot on our necks and won't take it off and and then that's where that is um but i, I really really we've got to pick up and if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day, but if you teach a man a fish he he eats for a lifetime, right? We need right. to get out of the habit of handing people fish. And teach them how to do these things that is necessary for their um their families, their, their edifyingness. You know what I'm saying? We're quick to go hand somebody some groceries, but we won't teach them the things that they need to do to to, to be in a place, to, to get a certain place, if that makes any sense. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or what, what can you do to change your situation? What can I help you with to do that? And then you could go and buy the groceries. Yeah. If that makes sense.
1: I agree. I mean, I just think that as we begin as a country to address Mm -hmm. all of this over incarceration, period, Mm -hmm. um, I think that everybody needs to kind of like step up to the plate. Let's join Mm -hmm. forces. Let's fight this thing together. Let's Mm -hmm. take take ownership for the things that we can be responsible for Mm -hmm. and move differently. We know, what, we know what the breakdown is. We know why it hasn't worked. We know why our families have been broken because babies are raising babies because of this, because of that, because one reason or another. But at some point, and I'm not saying that we can completely control the narrative, but we can start to change it. And we mm. can start to be a part of changing it and showing other people how to change it. And when we see other mothers who are slacking, instead of just saying, oh, she's a half ass mom or she's this or she's that, try to show her how to be better. Show her, you know what I mean? And it's not about, you know, there's a whole thing where there's a lot of people who are like, well, it's my child. I'm gonna do whatever the hell I wanna do and this and that. You know, um, as being somebody who works in the school system, I see that a lot. Parents are ready to come in and, and fight the teachers. They bring in big big guys to fight. They're going to do all these things. Meanwhile, their child is a holy terror. And so mm-hmm. let's, let's be real about who our kids are. Let's be real about their personalities, their mm-hmm. shortcomings, their strengths, and their weaknesses.
3: Mm-hmm. And let's
1: start to kind of focus on that because we can also then use that to help change some of this over-incarceration.
4: Yeah. Yeah. We had an expungement event on December 5th and like 70 to 80 percent of the participants were women um, with probation and parole charges. So, again, they when you have that thing on your thing in South Carolina, you you are banned from housing or you're banned from food stamps or you're banned from certain jobs Um, if your town or your city does not subscribe to ban the box. So institutionally, it's hard for, you know, you to get somewhere. And that's where we're, you know, making that reach out for, you know, I would love for more people to get involved in things like that, because those reach outs, Lulu, like you said, need to be made so they can make these connections and they can get what they need, you know, showing someone how to live in a different way by giving them the opportunity to do that.
2: Yeah. So I think, too. let's be real. Some of these parents are so busy trying to be their friend. You are not your kids. I was about to, you are not your kids' fucking friend. That irritates me more than anything. My son will tell you. I, I was a little strict. Okay, I was a lot of strict. And you know, his friends' parents used to be like, "Man, your mom don't chill." No, I ain't got no chill zone when it comes to my son. Cause I'm I'm their biggest supporter, his biggest fan on that football field. But I also was, his, you know, I was not his friend. Let's stop being friends with our kids. Let's start, start realizing we're raising them. We're not, you know, growing with them. I mean. In a sense we grow as we parent sometimes, but we're not growing with our kids. Because we're raising our kids to grow into men, to grow into women. That's what we should be focusing on. You know what I mean? I
1: just have to put that out there because Yeah. You know, and I think it, I think it's I think it's good to put that out there, but I think it's also good to acknowledge that um we can over parent in our culture. I think that, you know, all the, a lot of the beatings and none of the explainings, I think that that that... that As a huge disconnect. Mm -hmm. Um, I know for my, you know, uh, people that I know directly, they will say, well, the reason why I knew how to fight so good is because my mama used to be whooping my ass so good, you know, and so you had to kind of learn and you thought that that was a way of discipline. And so when people disrespect you out in these streets, you're going to whoop their ass, right? (laughs) So that, you know, that's just, that's the behavior that's taught. Um, Letitia, I thank you so much for being here with us today. Um, I do want to take this time to share um, a a small video about Shango, uh, a political prisoner in South Carolina. And um, I thank everybody for being here with us. Did any of you ladies have any last comments to make?
2: Yeah, I just wanted to thank Fahamavu for sending me my mask and my sweatshirt torch. I'll have it on my Facebook page. Um, He's a brother behind the wall just making things happen. So I'll have mm. that on my Facebook page. And I just want to say also, let's start teaching about need to teach not only to our kids, but to other adults. You mm. know, and researching the political prisoners, I learned so so much over these last couple of weeks and it was good to know that there are brothers and sisters willing to teach me as well as now I can t- take that, those lessons and teach my son. You know, so let's mm. just willing to teach each other but let's also be willing to learn from one another and support one another in that manner yes i agree
0: um, anything that you need the public to do to help your situation any petitions or anything like that please let us know yes we're
4: doing a, um, a current phone zap and an email campaign to um get them transferred out of um perry into safety and get the disciplinary charge dropped. But that's listed on our Black Liberation Fund Instagram and our Twitter and my Facebook. Because, um, girl, I've
2: been trying to... We'll get all that information on the low page for you so that we can help with that phone zap. I'm known for one. Mm-hmm. I love going to it. So we will mm-hmm. definitely get all the information to share it for you from the low. We definitely support you 100%. All of us, yes, Thankfully.
1: thank you guys. I'm going to share this video. Um, the low is sponsored by the national.
3: I warns this. Get this. They warn Americans of new a new domestic terror threat. Black identity extremists. What's that?
1: So, I mean, that's, that's the question. What are we talking about? Because uh, it appears to be a very arbitrary designation. Where people who are rightfully protesting what they consider to be an injustice in their community, which is their uh, relationship uh, with police officers, are now being targeted and labeled as extremists and are going through periods of surveillance and harassment. They stalk all the time. They stalk online, they stalk in person, they always stalk. they're finding ways to criminalize you. you know they're finding ways to demonize you. and they're finding ways to most importantly neutralize you pretty much demonize um, black people who want to bring in a change in their community in a militant manner um you know it's
3: you know um, the Congressman, uh, Congresswoman
1: Carolyn Bass, when she um, grilled A G Sessions about the BIE, mm-hmm. she also asked them about was there
3: a white identity in Come on, based on